This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. and welcome to episode 67 of the Proton Pack podcast. I'm Christian. With me always is the Destro to my Cobra commander, Tony. Say hey, Tone. Ah, Destro. Noble Destro, my old friend. We congratulate you on the success. Well, hello, Destro. <laughs> oh, man, it's great to be back. It is uh, Tuesday. Uh, we are ready for another fun-filled episode. And... Uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be a fast hour. We got lots to cover today, man. So, uh, it, did you have a good weekend? I did. Yeah, we've got lots of geeky, nerdy news to bring to you guys, and uh, you know what? We got two weeks in a row. How about that? Look at that! It's great, man. Another another week, another geeky, nerdy shirt, man. Let's roll with it, baby. Right on. Well, let's go ahead and kick things off the way we do each and every show, talking. Some shameless plugs. It's shameless plug time. It is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money is cool. Money is cool. Speaking of which, yeah, uh, yeah we talk about Rough Riders, which is our local 501c3 dog rescue nonprofit dedicated excuse me, to the transport of <laughs> dogs from the outlying rural areas of Nevada, bringing them into Reno and uh, the more metro areas, working with local shelters, local rescues, find them homes, give them a second chance at life. If you want to donate or find out more information about Rough Riders, head over to roughriders.org. That's R-U-F-F writers.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rough Riders Saves. Now, Tony and I also do a daily morning show, a little more variety, a little less geeky, nerdy like this one. Tony, go ahead and tell folks about it. Yeah, so you can check us out Monday through Friday as we do the Christian Phoenix radio show, which is your daily dose of laughs and levity in a crazy, crazy world that we live in. We'll feature topics from entertainment, comedy, sports, music, and more. We are a one-hour, fast, entertaining morning show, Um, so join me. Tony Spark on that show. I'm just Tony here, but Tony Spark on that show. The Christian Phoenix, one. the savage one. And uh, and we'll bring you all the good laughs. We'll cover stuff. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor Breaker, CastBox. We're, we're all over. Anywhere you can get your podcast, you can take a look and uh, give us a listen. And uh, we'll be streaming on uh, uh TV. We have an app, which I'll let you do the app because I don't have my cheat sheet that tells us the exact what the app's called, but you should download. It's the NGBN.TV app. So, uh, you know, if on your streaming TV, whether it's Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku TV, soon on Xbox, PlayStation, you can download and watch any of the Phoenix Media shows, including this one and the Christian Phoenix radio show as well. So do it. You can also get it on your mobile device as well. 
Free to download. Free. All right. Well, as we've been doing over the last few weeks since we went to the uh, more mainstream, not mainstream, streamlined one-hour version of this show, before the first break, we've been doing reviews of Disney Plus shows. Last week, we did Mortal Kombat. Well, today we are back to the Disney Plus shows talking The Bad Batch. This is the Star Wars Clone Wars spinoff that uh, as of last Friday, they dropped their third episode. Tony, I know you've seen the first two so far. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I got to say, you know, I, I'm really enjoying the show. Uh, Dave Filoni, who is the showrunner for it, taking great care to tell a wonderful story. Forget the fact that it's animated. You know, a lot of people look, ah, it's a cartoon, you know. Story is everything in this and their character development and the way they're taking it and the way, you know, what the people and characters that we've grown to love from the Clone Wars now into this Bad Batch, which is essentially the events that take place after Order 66 and the clones turning against their the Jedi, the way that they're setting up the transition into the Empire and the original trilogy is just brilliant. So well handled. Each episode's about a half hour long. The first one I want to say is a little bit longer about. Uh, 45 minutes, but uh, having fun with it, you know, and I I was telling Tony that this third episode, which he hasn't seen yet, I mean, is just a fantastic, uh, really good storytelling episode. But what have you thought of the first two so far? Execute Order 66. I love that that soundbite's played quite a few times in the first episode. I really enjoy it. It's in the same style and vein of the uh, Clone Wars. Um, It's from the same storyteller, Dave Filoni. And, you know, it follows a couple of, uh, what did they call them, the Bad Batch, as they were a couple of uh, of clone troopers that didn't quite, uh, the circuits didn't quite go when that order was dropped, except Crosshair. Crosshair's kind of went, it went, but he was still kind of border where he could still be himself, but he still understood he had an order to do, and he didn't understand why his friends didn't do it until eventually... He goes full-blown baddie. But uh, I'm enjoying the story so far. And these are characters I have no familiarity with. It's just another um, way to enter, to tell another story in the Star Wars saga. It doesn't have to be about the Skywalkers and stuff. I mean, you know the main story. This diverts off to the side and tells a side story about characters. And, uh, you know, there's a the Jedi that got away. And I... I hear he ties into the Rebels down the line, that which is another Star Wars animated show, which was great. Uh, also done by Dave Filoni. So, yeah, great stuff there. Um, very much enjoying it so far. Well, I like the fact that, uh, you know, the bad guy that they're battling this season is one of their own, one of their own former, uh, you know, not only clones, but uh, troopers, you know, part of the Bad Batch as well. And uh, the fact that he's just relentless and, and uh, boy, you know, it, it, Almost makes him a scarier villain than if the Empire had just brought in, you know, the villain of the week uh, for this season. So, right, I'm enjoying it. I, I love the way the characters play off of each other, and then of course the main uh, character that we're following is Omega, who is some sort of clone. She is a you know clone child, but we don't know of who and for why. So that's going to be the overarching story for this. Is you know. What is her relationship to the rest of uh, the clones and the Empire? Yeah, it's we should find out soon. It's an entertaining show. You can check it out. It drops every Wednesday now, right? Is it every Wednesday they're putting out? Or no, is it every Friday? Friday. Yeah. So okay. The first Wednesday, Wednesday was just a special. Okay. Exactly. So it's the Friday ones. But uh, three episodes are out now. You uh, can check it out on Disney+. Plus. 
Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear. Yep. Well, folks, that does it for our review of The Bad Batch. When we come back, we're talking TV news. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack Podcast. Oh, we're on episode 67, and we just finished up our review of The Bad Batch, at least the first couple episodes so far. With that being said, this being the second segment, let's go ahead and get into that TV news for y'all. Bazinga. The cream of the crop. Hey, baby. Let's go, Bob. Excellent. All right. First thing in our TV news, we're talking Netflix and the uh, boy, probably one of the most popular uh, series on that channel. And of course, we're waiting the long awaited return of season four. Well, back in March, Stranger Things cast member Gaten Matarazzo, boy, that's a hard one to say. Gaten Matarazzo said that no one really knows when filming on the Netflix show's fourth season will wrap since the pandemic has disrupted production so much. According to Matarazzo, we still don't know day to day if we're going to be filming next week. Well, we know some filming is happening now because genre icon Robert England took to social media to confirm that he is currently in Atlanta to film his Stranger Things season four role. What's with kids today, huh? No respect. No respect. England's Stranger Things involvement was announced near the end of last year when Den Leiden reported England will be playing the recurring character Victor Creel, a disturbed and intimidating man who was imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. Since no one knows when Stranger Things Season 4 is going to finish filming, we also don't know when the new episodes will be reaching the Netflix streaming service. We do know the season will find that David Harbour's character Hopper is imprisoned far from home in the snowy wasteland of Kamchatka, where he will face dangers both human and other. Meanwhile, back in the States, new horror is beginning to surface, something long buried, something that connects everything. And uh, obviously, we got that little teaser a couple weeks ago, kind of looking back at Eleven's time in the hospital there. But uh, Tony, are you looking forward to this Season of Stranger Things and, of course, Robert England's involvement. Oh, absolutely. I think having Robert England gets me more excited about it. Um, one thing I wish they didn't spoil is the fact of where Hopper's whereabouts are, because that was kind of the cliffhanger at the end of three. Uh, you Like, did he die? Did he not die? Because they never found the body. So you kind of assumed he was coming back anyways. But I would have preferred it not been spoiled in the sense of, well, he's 
he's in a prison thing. He's got to find his way out. So, right. uh, you know, and I knew we, we all knew he was coming back. It's <laughs> you can't, you can't do off a main character like that. You got to give them a much better ending than that. Uh, but you add Robert England to an already uh, awesome cast. This is great. And uh, the bad thing about the pandemic too, is it kind of, since it's delayed, you know, all these character, all the kids are all grown up now. So you're really going to have to time jump this thing in the eighties. You know, we're in the early eighties. Now it's going to have to be like towards the end of the eighties or something going into the nineties almost, you know, by the time they wrap this up, but uh, hell yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited about this. Well, we know that season five is going to be the last for stranger things. So, uh, you know, as far as when they started filming shutting down, coming back, they might do a time jump in the middle of the season, but, uh, you know, who knows? Obviously, that's the risk you run when working with uh, teen actors. So, <laughs> yep, they grow. That's exactly. what happens. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another Netflix series that uh, we're looking forward to. Oh, by the power of Grey Skull, He Man is having a pop culture moment. After Netflix's She Ra, The Princess of Power, ended its five season run, Prince Adam and the World of Attorney. Attorney are coming back full force to the limelight with a planned live action movie which has been slightly delayed at this point, in addition to a CG animated He-Man and the Masters of the Universe aimed solely at kids. Masters? But Masters of the Universe Revelation, a separate animated series from the mind of Kevin Smith, is designed for fans of the 80s cartoon. Entertainment Weekly's exclusive first look at Revelation brings back back Prince Adam He-Man, now voiced by Supergirl's Chris Wood, and the gang with new design by Powerhouse Animation, the studio behind Castlevania, and an updated story set directly after the events of that original piece of childhood entertainment. Everything I've ever worked on in like 27 years, this is easily the top five of my favorite, most satisfying projects, says Smith, a He-Man superfan who showruns Revelation and executive produces with Mattel Television's Frederick Soli, Adam Bonnet, Christopher Keenan, and Rob David. When I died, they'll be like, he made clerks, remember? Because that's the most memorable thing Memorable thing I think I've ever done. I think this has a running shot of being like, he made clerks and that one cartoon that one time. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Kevin Smith's self-deprecation. He's made far more better projects than just clerks, not including Tusk or Red State, but uh, we'll, no, we'll leave those alone. Bad ones. Yeah, he's made some bad, but he's made more good than bad. But of all of the He-Man projects that are in the works, this is the one I'm looking forward to, knowing that a super fan like him is behind it, looking at the animation and the character designs that uh, uh, are up. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Tony's posted this on our Facebook page. It is going to be a fantastic series that literally leaves off where the 80s series uh, began and won't be to the same cheesy level of that 80s. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Before. The 80s one that we grew up with, was pretty awesome for its time. Today, not so much. Um, and I don't really remember. I was a He-Man super fan as a kid. I was all about it. Um, had the posters, all the toys. It was my bread and butter before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was that was my thing. But the problem is, is I was so young that I don't really remember a whole lot of it. And when I've gone back to try to watch it, to be like, oh, what, what did younger Tony think? And then you watch it and you're just like, doesn't hold up quite well. So, but that's all right. But this one looks awesome. This is something I definitely look forward to watching. And I'm with you. You got somebody like Kevin Smith behind the project. It's, you always, you know, when people are true to the original source and they're a fan of it, 
they're going to do it justice. It's better than hiring somebody that doesn't have much familiarity, doesn't really have the passion and commitment behind it. Then you get mediocre results. This is going to be fantastic. So I'm going to thumbs up this one. I look forward to it. Yeah, those original ones were aimed at kids. They were story told to kids to sell action figures for kids. Of course, we being the kids who grew up with them now want better story, uh, better action figures for that matter, and uh, really want to, uh, you know, evolve these characters beyond just sort of the episode of the week uh, that they were before. Right. It's uh, it, it's weird when you're a kid, you didn't realize that it was the whole ploy was to buy toys. At least I never understood it. I I loved the cartoon, and then there was the action figures, and of course you had to have the action figures, which made sense. It makes yep. total sense. Great marketing. Kudos <laughs> on them. Well, moving on from Netflix over to Hulu, we still have a week and a couple days before Hulu unleashes the first season of Marvel's MODOK upon the masses. Even oh, though Marvel fans have yet to get the initial batch of episodes, those behind the show know exactly what will take place should the streamer give them a second season. According to MODOK showrunner Jordan Bloom, the show's sophomore outing will be packed to the brim with mutants and other big-name X-Men. Bloom, a self-proclaimed mega-fan of X-Men the Animated Series, tell us he'll do whatever he can to get characters like MODOK and Storm on the screen together. It's going to be even more X-Men heavy, I'll tell you that much, the writer says. I've got to do season two before we got the okay to use some of them. I was like, let me see how well their lawyers know these characters. So, you know, Lila Cheney uh, is in the pilot and it's like, okay, we got away with that. Let's see what we can do next. The writer adds that he and the writer's room were able to get away with adding Mr. Sinister to the show's first season, an A-list X-Men villain in his own right. The X-Men floodgates have opened, Bloom admits. So yeah, there are some bigger, bigger guys I'd love to show up on season two. You know, I think I would love to write a Storm Modoc scene if I'm allowed to, so that would be my pick, yeah. Um, Tony and I, both huge X-Men fans growing up, obviously uh, the animated series, the Jim Lee run in the comic books. They weren't part of Marvel for the longest time. They were owned by Fox, but with the Fox acquisition, bringing them back into the fold, we're going to see so many more X-Men in the big screen, the small screen, and it looks like our first taste may be here with the non-canon MODOK series. Let's go, bub. You could have a lot of fun with that. I'm, I can't wait to see what X-Men uh, characters show off, even if they're just uh, show off, show up in MODOK. I was going to say, even if they're throw off characters, like they're not big ones. Um, mm-hmm. Look forward to seeing what they do with it. Uh, I I anticipate uh, MODOK's can be a very interesting show that it will probably not get quite the views that most Marvel stuff does because I don't think a lot of people are going to know what Modoc is, and uh, I'm excited, man. It's uh, it's going to be a really uh, fun show, I feel. But uh, would love to have anything X Men. Um, if you go to your local Target, X Men's everywhere now. The action figures, the old Tiger handheld electronic games that were really shitty back yeah. when we were kids. So they have those there. I mean, hey, they're making a comeback. Disney's making no shame that. Now that they own the rights to X-Men, you can whore it out. Because I was so pissed when um, Fox and Disney were separate. Obviously, X-Men were with Fox. They got buried. Yep. Just eliminated from existence like they didn't exist. Instead, we got, what was that uh, really crappy uh, MCU version? The Inhumans. The The Inhumans. It sucked. 
Yep. Suck, <laughs> sucks so bad that now that they realize it sucked, they've eliminated that from their existence because the Inhumans was really bad. It was a piss poor version of their X-Men. I didn't, didn't even see it. And then no. finally, before we close out TV news, this one, uh, a bit of uh, you know exciting Marvel hiring news. Well, my, Marvel has hired two directors to helm its upcoming Secret Invasion series, both of whom have roots in directing more dramatic fare. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Thomas Bazooka, well, that's a cool name. That the is a cool name. The 2020 Kevin Costner crime th- thriller, Let Him Go, and Ali Salim, who worked on the Hulu's 9-11 miniseries, The Looming Tower, will help bring the Secret Invasion storyline to life on Disney+. Plus. The upcoming Disney Plus series will adapt the famous Marvel crossover event where the shape-shifting alien race known as the Skrulls have taken the identities of powerful figures in the Marvel Universe, including members of the Avengers. Perhaps Marvel is looking to lean into the dramatic nature of the storyline by hiring Bazooka and Salim. Samuel Jackson will star as Nick Fury, and he'll be joined by Ben Mendelsohn's Talos, a scroll introduced in Captain Marvel. With this news, Tony, are you more excited about Secret Invasion, um, even more so than even knowing that this is even a project that they're working on? Oh, well, I'm excited that it's a project. I'm excited that it's happening. Um, you kind of get the tease at the end of uh, Captain Marvel. So it's uh, it's something that, yeah, I'm definitely excited about. The directors don't make me want to see it more or anything. It's it's not like it adds more for me personally. It's, uh, it's great that there's some high-end uh, directors behind it. I hope this goes to the Kevin Smith theory that they're big fans of the product and really believe in it so they can give us the very best. Um, it's it's always great. That's why you keep going back to the Russo brothers and things of that nature because they show it uh, the love and dedication it needs to, to be a successful product, you know. Yeah, we know Marvel has a uh, tendency to hire little-known directors, directors who have done smaller projects to bring into these bigger ones, and in some cases have made them superstars. Look at James yeah. Gunn, for instance. But uh, Just happy there's no Joss Whedon. Don't need exactly. no Joss Whedon drama. Yeah. Exactly. Well, folks, that does it for TV news. When we come back, we're going to talk weekend box office, movie news, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack Podcast. We just finished up our TV segment of geeky, nerdy news in that respect. We're moving on now into movies, but not before we talk about the weekend box office. Well, the resurrection, resurrection, boy, words are hard today. The resurrection. Resurrection. Of the Saw series made a bloody mark at the box office this week in a spiral from the Book of Saw, opened in first place with an estimated $8.7 million. I don't know if $8.7 is enough for a bloody mark, but uh, yeah, it was the number one movie. It, uh, boy, you know, first one since the final Saw film in 2010. Uh, director Derek Bozeman. Oh, sorry. That's where it's supposed to be. Jigsaw, do you want to play a game? But uh, <laughs> that that just failed. Failed. That was, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And I, instead, I gave you uh, Banjo-Kazooie there. <laughs> well, in any case, uh, the movie reportedly cost $20 million. So, you know, it's it's total domestic total at this point is 14.6. Um, nope. That would be the next movie. Um, it'll make its money back. It's cheap enough. But... Uh, <laughs> It's 
I don't know. It's got really bad reviews. Well, what's funny is on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting a 39% at this point. But if you look at the fan scores, the fan scores are up at like 76, 77%. So that's better at least. Let's enjoy it. Well, that'd be good. If you like the other size, you'll probably like it. I'm not really into the whole torture porn genre so uh not i I, do i want to see it because chris rock and samuel jackson yeah was i a big fan of the jigsaw and saw movies not really yeah and i enjoyed that series at least the odd number ones the even numbered ones for some reason seemed slightly off but i really uh, liked the first one i was it was it was intense back in the day mm mm-hmm and it was something new. It was something nobody had even seen before in the way it's yeah. of storytelling. Of course, the big twist at the ending. So um, yeah. I'll probably check it out uh, maybe this week. You know, Jesse's out of town this week. And I hey, need Jesse. <laughs> well, in second place was the R-rated crime thriller, thriller Wrath of Man. Brought another 3.7 million, bringing its domestic total to 14.6. Worldwide total to 41.8. And of course, that's uh, Jason Statham and Guy Ritchie. So that one looked like a fun one. That that could yeah, be fun. Yeah, it did. It's it didn't last long at the top, but hey, it was number one for a week. Now, right. Spiral's the new number one. Exactly. Hey, Spiral. In third place was the R-rated thriller starring Angelina Jolie. Those Who Wish Me Dead brought in 2.8 million. Of course, it's also available on HBO Max, which is probably the reason that it didn't get a ton of money at no. the theaters, but enough to they're, make it third place. They're calling it a bomb already. Like everywhere in the entertainment news, uh, looking at stories this morning, they, they're calling it a bomb. I just, I don't know. They, they didn't really bust out advertisements until like about a week or two ago. That's the first time right. I even heard of it. So yeah. I don't think the marketing was quite there. And like you said, HBO Max might be the way to go. And it's not on a big summer tentpole type movie, you know, it's, no. it's a smaller thriller. And so, you know, they typically don't make as much money at the box office. I think I'll watch that one on HBO Max. I'm, I've learned if it's on HBO Max, I don't know if it's 100% really theater worthy yet. Except, Except for God, God. Yeah, that was great. I saw, I didn't see that on HBO Max, but I saw Mortal Kombat and I know we're about to cover that. <laughs> In fourth place is the R-rated anime and juggernaut of a movie, Demon Slayer, yeah. the movie, brought another 1.77 million, domestic total of 42 million. It's worldwide total, almost a half a billion dollars, 477 yeah. million. It's Crazy. huge. Never heard of it until we've covered the box office report. Yep. I swear. And then rounding out the top five in fifth place was Disney's Ryan the Last Dragon, holding on in there with see that. Yep. 1.71 million. Of course, I'll probably wait until it's available widely on Disney Plus as opposed yeah. to paying $30 premium. Nope. All right. And then rounding out the top 10, you had Godzilla vs. Kong with another 1.46 million. Good flick. Mortal Kombat with 1.32 million. Thumbs down. Terrible. Yep. Check out last Find- week's review. Finding You with 954,000. Don't know what that Where is. Where are you? I, I'd find you. Army of the Dead with 780,000 in a limited run preview. It'll be w- available widely on Netflix uh, this weekend. I heard last night they did really bad marketing for this. So they tied with WWE and they had their pay-per-view uh, backlash or something like that last night. And uh, they literally, to promote the movie, they had a match between two of their guys and they had a lumberjack match, but it was a zombie lumberjack max and at the end of the match the zombies went in and ate the bad guys lame this is probably why the wwe is quite i this is just bad marketing 
<laughs> bad. Anyways, there you go. Useless trivia. Yep. And then lastly, in the top 10 is a movie called Profile with 670,000. Again, never. Nah, never. Oh, it was that one where the uh, Pakistani and she pretends to be and lures right. the Taliban yeah. in. Yeah. I'd wait for like <laughs> streaming for that. That'd be a streamer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on in into our movie news now that we've taken the uh, box office out of there. And uh, boy, we got some fun ones today. Yay. <laughs> Are you the key master? Laugh it up, fuzzball. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. They're going to see some serious shit. Yeah, they will. All right. Wait, Scott, our- you said shit. <laughs> In our trailer of the week, well, Paramount Pictures has joined forces with Entertainment Weekly to show off a batch of first-look images for Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, in the film Henry Golding of Crazy Rich Asians, stars as the lead, a silent ninja whose skills with the katana blade are unmatched. For obvious reasons, building a movie around a silent protagonist would be quite tricky. However, the creators of the franchise say they found a way to make it work. Now, following those images, they released a one-minute teaser trailer that, uh, you know what? I think we've got it pulled up, and I think we're going to play it right about now. So enjoy, folks. Every warrior has a beginning. I'm on a new level. For 600 years, our ninja have brought peace. Mortal Kombat! I'm on a new level. I need warriors like you. Join us. What do I have to do? I thought you were talk. from here is yours to decide. That is just the beginning. I'm on a new level. I'm on a new level. Snake Eyes starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Remember that 90s movie? Different Snake Eyes, pretty sure. Yeah. But uh, in any case, you know, it, it looks exciting. It's um, the first G.I. Joe movie was a pile of crap. They had almost nothing to do with G.I. Joe at all, had uh, one of the Wayans brothers in it. Uh, They retconned it a little bit with G.I. Joe Retaliation, which was much better, much, much better. And then, of course, now it looks like they're diving a little bit deeper into a more accurate G.I. Joe type movie. A little interesting that they had Snake Eyes talking in this. My guess is that he somebody dies, so he takes a vow of silence at some point, and that's why he becomes essentially mute later on but uh and it's nice to see that uh what is it ray not ray parker jr uh ray um ray park ray park who played snake eyes in the other two movies um you know he's not coming back as the main character they got a a slightly bigger name for it yeah they look good that's first time you and i both saw the trailer it it looked like mortal Kombat meets fast and the furious um, don't know enough about Snake Eyes. I remember him from the cartoon. Obviously, he was just the silent ninja that didn't say much. Um, mm-hmm. But it could be a fun action flick. I would definitely give this a matinee showing. I would see it in theaters. It looks cool. Yeah, it looks fun. I'm, not, like over, I'm not like overly excited and pumped like some of the trailers we watched. We're like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Like, it looks good. Yeah. 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 Like I said, you know, it comes out in uh, almost exactly two months from now. And so uh, we won't have to wait long. Haven't heard much about it. Haven't seen much about it. So this is our first look. 
Yeah, sweet treat, man. Look forward yep. to it. And I agree with you. The first G.I. Joe stunk. Second one was much better. And this really, I guarantee, won't have much to do with G.I. Joe. It's just, yeah. just him. So. <laughs> just an origin story. Yep. Well, let's move on. While we can't imagine that any of us were doubting that Ryan Johnson's Knives Out would receive a sequel, we think we were all pretty shocked when it was revealed that Netflix had driven a dump truck full of money to Johnson's front door for not one but two sequels to Knives Out. Ryan Johnson will be writing and directing the two Knives Out sequels and will also be producing with his partner Ram Bergman. Daniel Craig will reprise his role of Detective Benoit Blanc, and I'm sure uh, Johnson will be assembling another all-star cast for this next mystery. To that end, Deadline has reported that Dave Batista has become the first new addition to the Knives Out sequel as he's slated to join Craig in the upcoming film. Plot details are being kept under wraps and it's not known just who Batista will be playing, but production of the sequel is slated to kick off this summer in Greece. And of course, if you watch the James Bond movie Spectre, they acted together in that. Uh, Batista is one of the better Oh, ex-wrestlers to come out of the WWE world and is really making a name for himself in action and comedy. Yeah, and he's in the Army of the Dead. And last night it was funny. He tweeted, hey, I had nothing to do with this shit, like with the zombies invading the wrestling thing. He's just like, hey, look, I, I didn't write that shit, okay? Like, you please go see my movie. But that was, you know. But yeah, no, this will be fun, man. The first Knives Out was a was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. It, it was, was a surprise really treat. I was a little nervous because Ryan Johnson. I mean, he yeah, let's just be real. His Last Jedi sucked, and it you know it was hard to want to watch anything from that guy. But hey, Knives Out, awesome. Yeah, you know? he also did Looper though, right? He did, which was a fantastic. Yeah, Looper was great too. I liked Looper. Yep. And then finally, before we head into the break and uh, start talking a little video game news. Well, the MPA has unsurprisingly given James Gunn's upcoming supervillain on the mission reboot sequel type thing, The Suicide Squad, an R rating for strong violence and gore. Okay. Language throughout makes sense. Some sexual references. All right. Drug use and brief graphic nudity. So our question is, who is going to be nude? Probably won't won't be be Harley Quinn. it It won't be Harley Quinn. No. And maybe they'll just have a bag of dicks all over the uh, island as uh, the previous tra- teaser trailer uh, yeah. teased. You know? that, that's what I'm thinking. You're going to probably see a wang danger somewhere in there. This is my exactly. thought. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But uh, in any case, uh, the Suicide Squad, which is set to hit theaters. Boy, it's it it's not far. It's like, in a, it's like in a couple months. It's not yeah. that far at all. It is August um, Okay, see, it's right around the corner. That one where I just and I have to retract what I said about HBO Max not having the movies. That one's also going to be on HBO Max, but that one, please go see that in theaters. It just yeah, it's calling for it. Well, folks, that does it for movie news. When we come back, it's time to talk a little video games, and then the show's over. It goes that quick, so don't go anywhere. We'll be boom. Welcome back, folks. We made it to the final segment of this episode of the Proton Pack podcast. Yeah, we covered TV news. Yes, we covered movie news. What does that leave us with? Well, video game news. Hey, man, you want to play some video games? All 
right. First up in video game news, this one actually I found very interesting in, uh, you know, it doesn't relate into any video games in particular, but more a way of uh, video game companies to potentially do business here in the future. Sony Interactive Entertainment has filed a patent for a platform that would allow users to bet on esports using physical currency, Bitcoin, or even in-game items. According to a listing on patent scope, Sony initially filed the patent in 2019, but has only published it this month. The patent itself suggests a system where viewers of live-streamed esport events such as fighting game tournaments, would be able to bet on the outcome of matches whilst watching the action play out in real time. The system would work via a user interface overlay that could be brought up over the stream in order for the user to place their bets. Bets placed could seemingly come in many forms, with the patent mentioning that wagers could be uh, pecuniary. Never heard that before. Pecuniary? Money or Bitcoin, or maybe non-pecuniary, for instance, game assets, digital rights, and virtual currency. That implies that you could earn and then bet in-game currency or even in-game items using that system. It's also possible that wagering digital rights could point to bets using NFTs, non-fungible tokens, in-game. Tony, uh, you know the the idea of betting, utilizing. You know, real world money, obviously, that's something people do anyway, but utilizing Bitcoin or in-game uh, items, what do you think of that? Do you think that is a big can of worms that they're potentially opening, or do you think that's the next wave of where video games are going? Can of worms, and a little of column A and column B. I think you get the can of worms because you're going to get the younger audience, the kids that already accidentally used mom and dad's credit cards to buy the skins, the weapons, and all this stuff that keeps those, you know, the basic free games or even the cheap games with the with the stuff coming in. I think when you start trying to bet and you put up characters, you're going to have things like the young kids that don't understand betting, plus you're kind of teaching them the wrong stuff at a young age, which is not good. I think there's going to be some frustrations when they lose or if your credit card is there in the kid's account and they start betting real-time stuff. So, yeah, it could be a bad thing, but I think as an adult, if you're smart and you like to bet and that's your thing, then, yeah, that's that's cool. makes the game more fun. might make you be a little better at said games that do that. Um, maybe you want to compete. Maybe there's like a Marvel versus Capcom tournament you want to join and you're a badass player and you want to, you're invested in Bitcoin, you want to bet, then, yeah, I could see that. So, I could see both sides of the coin, but I worry for the younger ones that play. Yeah. And, you know, we're already seeing a little bit of uh, uh, esports betting with mobile applications that are similar to FanDuel or DraftKings, which, you know, are obviously utilized for mainstream sports. And then the fact that they're integrating digital currencies and, you know, these cryptocurrencies into video games might actually make it a little more uh, mainstream than what it is right now. Because a lot of people, you know, you say cryptocurrency, they've heard the term Bitcoin or Ethereum, but they don't know exactly how it works. So this might help with that a little bit, but parents should absolutely be cautious of what their credit cards are tied to when giving their kids permission to uh, do do certain things on the uh, video game systems. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I can still remember when I was a kid, I mean, the biggest thing that we got in trouble for back in the day was calling the Nintendo helpline on the back of the instruction manual. That <laughs> shit was not cheap on the phone bill. Oh my nope. God. I I got in trouble for calling for some help on Bart versus the Space Mutants. We racked up some phone bills. That was a hard game, so you definitely needed it. It was that. a pain in the ass, yeah. <laughs> Claim was such a shitty a publisher too. They really were. 
Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next one. Uh, NetherRealm Studios might sound familiar. They're the developer behind Mortal Kombat and Injustice. Well, they're reportedly working on a new Marvel fighting game, which would be Marvel. the first, yep, first proper Marvel fighting game since 2017's Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which was terrible. In 2021, they're expecting NRS to reveal and release Injustice 3 which will be awesome. And this may still happen, but it sounds like Injustice may continue to stay on ice in favor of making a Marvel fighting game. Unfortunately, the new report, which comes way of Daniel Rickman via Stealth Optional, is light on details. But Rickman claims the game is already in production for next-gen consoles, which is to say PS5, Xbox Series X, and Series S. You'd assume a PC version is also in the works, but it sounds like PS4 and Xbox One users may miss out tony uh a marvel based game from nether realm studios yay or nay yay they do injustice so good so yeah. good the story the uh the characters the graphics the stuff now obviously you're not gonna get the the fatalities and things like that i think it'll go kind of like dc dc had some brutal stuff and i think you're gonna get that but what I love about it is you're opening the door for a new Marvel fighting game, which is, in my opinion, what you need to do with most of the characters anyways. Right. It's just, it just makes sense. It just, you know, give me the Juggernaut versus Omega Red and give me all these characters you don't hear about. I don't, you know, and give me the people we know, Iron Man, Black Panther, Captain America, etc. Um, I still have hope for a Marvel versus Capcom game as well. A true one. And I would like it to go back to a 2d three on three fighter. Mm -hmm. um, not the two on two like infinite because for infinite being as bad of a game as it was, it's story tried to be like injustice and they failed bad. The graphics were not great. Right. Um, the gameplay was a lot of fun. If you can just go straight to the gameplay, skip the story and stuff. Wasn't that bad. It just, Again, we go back earlier with the X-Men being buried. It had no X-Men. And that was always the true core to the fighting games. Yeah, You know, there would be no Omega Red, no Juggernaut, no Wolverine, you know, Cyclops. Nothing like that that were true fun fighters that made Marvel vs. Capcom so great. So, long story short, love the idea. Hope it comes to fruition. Would definitely be interested in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds awesome. Yeah, and as we learn more, we will update you guys. But yeah. uh, with our last minute here, one last thing on the Nintendo side of things, Mario Nintendo, Golf. Nintendo, it's a breakfast wall. Mario Golf Super Rush received a new gameplay trailer that not only reveals its 16 character roster, but also details its many game modes, including speed golf, battle golf, and golf adventure. God, I hope it has like top golf in there. That, no, that would be cool. Nintendo Switch's Mario Golf Super Rush will be released on June 25th, 2021. And the roster includes Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, Princess Peach, Daisy, Yoshi, Bowser, Bowser Jr., Boo, Donkey Kong, Rosalina, Pauline, Toad, Charging Chunk, King bob Om. So, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the Nintendo licensed Mario games that are adjacent to, you know, Mario itself... This looks like it could be a fun one with some I great. Think, I think it'll be about. fun. Surprisingly, you wouldn't think like Mario sports stuff is like all that fun. You're just kind of like, eh. But the previous golf ones, a lot of fun. This one looks really cool. I look forward to it just like any other Nintendo game. Love it. Whore out yep. Mario. It's fun. Yep. Right around the corner. You can pick it up June 25th. But folks, cool. 
That does it for another edition of the Proton Pack Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, anywhere you get social media, at Proton Pack Podcast. With that, uh, you know, we'll see you guys next week. Tony, anything you want to leave the uh, listeners with? It's brief. It's easy. Subscribe. Commentate on our comment down in the comments. Share. And please, the more you share and subscribe, the more we can do these things for you. So thanks for watching. We love you guys. Peace. Bravo. I am Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Woo! Mommy, where's Fluffy? Goodbye.